All right. There we go. Sorry. You know what happened? The Lord gave a vision to Daniel. And that's what we're talking about today. Isn't that good stuff? So seriously, wherever you are, we're thankful wherever you're watching or listening around the world. Today, this evening, we just had some awesome worship. If you haven't, go back and listen to that. I think that's why the Lord wanted a moment of silence, so that you go back and you check out Vine Worship, uh, leading us into the presence of the Lord as they do each and every week. And I'm so thankful for that because uh, it makes me want to make sure that I point to Jesus even more clearly in all that we do. So we're going to continue our series today called Summer in the Prophets. Summer in the Prophets. Now, there used to be a store named Prophets that closed down here. However, I'm not talking about those prophets. I'm talking about the Old Testament prophets. And the reason I bring that up is many times when we look at the Old Testament, uh, we hear about the prophets usually somewhere around Christmas. We hear about Isaiah and Jeremiah, and we hear about them prophesying about the Messiah to come. Or maybe we hear about it with Genesis. Maybe we hear about it at some moment in time when Moses goes uh, in the Old Testament, and we still haven't got quite to the prophets. Usually when we get to the prophets themselves, we like to skip past that and go straight to Matthew. So I'm thankful that we're in this series because today, if you're a note taker, today is a day where you probably want to take notes because this is our last Sunday in Daniel as we walk through and learn through the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days. So if you've got your Bible, we're actually going to be in two places. You're going to want to mark two places. We're going to be in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And we're going to see how this plays out. And we're going to see God's faithfulness all the way through. Maybe you have... maybe. You don't think God's faithful. Maybe you don't believe God's faithful. Maybe you're questioning God's faithfulness to you. Maybe you're there, and I'm gonna, I want to start you with a question we're going to end with, and this is what I want to say. Are you spending and wasting all of your time praying to get God on your side, or are you just going to get on God's side? Because so many times in our life, we'll pray for God to be on our side instead of just being on God's side. And this is where we're going to see how Daniel plays this out in Daniel chapter 7. So over these past few weeks, uh, we started with the prophet Samuel, the first prophet. Then we had Daniel. We played around in the lion's den. We got to see Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Today we're going to build on Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And Daniel, instead of interpreting someone else's dream, he's going to have his own dream, his own vision. And he is going to lay that out. And believe it or not, what we're going to talk about today is prophecy that has been filled and is yet to be filled. And so as we wrap up, Daniel, really quick, uh, as I said, today's a great day to take notes. Um, If you really want to see God's faithfulness and prophecy, go look at Daniel 11 and 12. There's about 30-odd verses in there. There's over 100 prophecies that have been fulfilled or are being fulfilled. It's crazy, God's faithfulness. So if you want to dive into that, go do that, and then you can come back and read Daniel 8, and we'll talk about where Hanukkah came from. But we're not going to do that this week. What we're going to be diving into is Daniel chapter 7. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get there. If you don't, our Vine Production team is absolutely incredible. Wherever you're watching around the world, they're going to make sure it's on the screen for you. And we say it every week. It's not a shameless plug. It's actually a connection tool. Uh, A lot of folks say, why would you plug that all the time? And I say, well, it's just like sticking your key in the ignition. Our Vine Church app is there for you. It'd be great. You can have your car sitting in the driveway, but if you don't stick the key in and turn it, it ain't going to do you no good. Well, that's what the Vine Church app is there for you to connect with us, to like sticking that key in the ignition, connect with us. You can take notes. You can send prayer requests in. You can find all about the Vine. So if you're with me, give me an amen. For our message today, it could be. If it is, we'll just give God the glory, and I'm sure the kids will come in here flooded 
Brett and Joel will kill me. So, Daniel chapter 7, let's dive in. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, I'm not talking the movie, but the book, realistically. The movie, yes, but you're going to see where Tolkien got a lot of his imagery for Lord of the Rings today in Daniel chapter 7. So, Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 says this. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Now, Daniel's in a new administration. There is a new king. Nebuchadnezzar's gone. Now, Belshazzar comes in. Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. So really quick, what is Daniel talking about? You wanted to know if he had uh, one of those special brownies or something. We'll talk about that when we get to Ezekiel in a few weeks. That'll be something where you want to see where those visions are. You're trying to figure out what is he talking about. Well, he's building upon what he talked about with Nebuchadnezzar. But when Daniel or in the Old Testament in Jewish culture, when you hear about winds, the four great winds, what are the four major directions? North, south, there are four, right? So four great winds are all the peoples of the earth tossed to and fro in the wind. We talked last week about wheat and chaff separating. What pulls the chaff away is the wheat. So the four great winds are each and every one of us tossed to and fro by the politics of the day, by what's going on in the world. That's why we are to not be thrown and tossed to and fro by the winds of the world or the waves of the world, but instead be rooted in Jesus. So four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Really quickly, Old Testament times and even New Testament times, the sea was something that could not be tamed. It was known for chaos. Think about it. Jonah. What happens in Jonah? When the sea is churned up, unbelievers say, who made God mad? They didn't even believe in God. He was running from Nineveh. They say, who made God mad? And they throw Jonah overboard. So if the sea couldn't be controlled, think about Peter when they're out there. When, uh, when Peter's out there and uh, they see Jesus walking on water. after he, you know, That's a big deal. He's calmed the sea. When the storm is raging and Jesus calms the sea, the chaos. That's why they said, who is this man? Think of Paul, the sea, shipwrecked on Malta, the sea. So you say, well, that's great. That's 2,000 years ago when they wrote this. It doesn't make that big of a deal. Well, I would say we know more about outer space and the moon than we know about the ocean. We can't even reach the bottom of the ocean. Think about that. How crazy is that? We care more what a telescope shows us of galaxies elsewhere, and we don't even know about the ocean here on our own planet. So it's crazy, awesome to think, but where we're at is that's what... Daniel is seeing in his vision. So he's going to build upon what we learned about last week. Okay, verse 4 through 8. This is describing the beast. The first was like a lion, and he had wings of an eagle. Uh, eagle excuse me. I watched until his wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being. The mind of a human was given to it. So this is the first beast goes with the statue of the last week, what Nebuchadnezzar had. This lion is Babylon, all right? This is the kingdom of Babylon. Going on to verse 5. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. Who knew that Winnie the Pooh could be a bad beast? But we're about to find out, right? It showed up like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, 
It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. The lion is Babylon. If you're taking notes, the bear are the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians. So remember last week we had the statue. We had the gold, silver, iron, bronze. We had all that going together. And we had the, 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 the toes that were iron and clay. So this is going on. These four beasts represent these four time periods. This is the Medes and the Persians. And we can look back and actually see the three kingdoms that were devoured by the Medes and Persians were the Lydians, the Babylonians, and the Egyptians. So if you say the Bible isn't true and it didn't happen, this is all foretold before it happened, and we can look back and see that this has happened. So let's look at the next one, verse 6. After I looked, there before me was another beast that looked like a leopard. And on his back had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. The leopard, if you remember last week, it goes from Babylonians to the Medes and the Persians to this guy named Alexander the Great, and the Greek Empire, and he conquers the known world while a leopard moves fast. The leopard's wings allow it to swiftly move throughout there. And the four heads, this is really crazy when he talks about this, um, the four heads that was given there uh, were the four the kingdoms that were split up when Alexander the Great died. Um, he, it was split into four kingdoms itself. So four heads, four kingdoms. This leopard has four wings. Go figure. Here we go. So it has four heads. That's when Alexander the Great dies. We can look back and see the kingdom divides into that. Verse 7 is the fourth beast. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. Sounds like a friendly pet, uh, like a chihuahua, right? Large iron teeth. It's a friendly pet. Uh, large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there was me, before me another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human and mouth that spoke boastfully. This last beast is the actual what we know as the Antichrist. You're going to see this in Revelation. You're going to see it goes with the beast chasing the prostitute. It goes with all of this. We're going to see this played out all the way through. And this is crazy awesome, hopefully, in believing. The Holy Spirit will show you this today. But remember last week, uh, there were the, it had all of its digits. The statue did. There were how many toes? Ten. How many kingdoms here? Ten. This is, once again, Daniel building upon what he saw in Daniel chapter 2 with Nebuchadnezzar. Now God is going deeper with him, showing him even more what it means. This little horn is actually the Antichrist on this beast, and it has devoured the three. You can go read Revelation 17 to see what that looks like when it comes to kingdoms. Crazy awesome, really nerdy, sorry, giving you a ton of homework. But I love how we can see this woven. God weaves in his word all of these things. So Daniel 7, before we get to the Ancient of Days and keep going there, Revelation 13, if you've got your Bible, it's where you want to see this beast that shows up. Revelation 13, verse 1 and 2. Look at what the beast is described as. Revelation 13, 1 and 2 says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns, seven heads, with ten crowns uh, on its horns, and each head had a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled, look at this, a leopard, had the feet like a bear, and a mouth like a lion. 
The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and authority. Now, what did we just learn about in the vision in Daniel? That he first saw a lion, right? He also saw a bear after that. Then he saw a leopard. Now all of them are together in this revelation that John gets in the Old Testament. The one that most of us probably read, the most that pastors love doing series on and writing books and all that crazy good stuff. It actually is rooted all the way back in Daniel 7. We miss that. And so for me, where you are right now, I would tell you many times this revelation that God has, instead of us looking at it as, as an end time prophecy, what if instead we looked at it as a revelation, a revealing, a peeled back curtain, right? God reveals deeper to Daniel and Daniel 7 what he interpreted in Daniel 2 for Nebuchadnezzar. He's doing the same thing to John and Patmos. Now, Revelation 17, we'll talk to you about those kingdoms. If you go there and you see what happens is there are five kings that have fallen. There's one king that has authority. He gives authority to the Antichrist. That's how it devoured the three. There's a little horn that comes up. We'll get that at a later time, but we're going to go back to Daniel 7. A lot of flipping back and forth here. And look at chapter 7, verse 9 through 12, and see this beast continue and how this plays out in Revelation. If you're with me, give me an amen. I hear amens. All right, so hopefully... This might be one you want to go back and look. I'm trying not to talk too fast because I get real excited about this because I love when God's word is just crazy awesome. So here we go. As I look, thrones were set in place. Here we go. This is what we're here for today. And the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. And his wheels were all ablaze. River of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Then I continued to watch this because of the boastful word of the horn speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body destroyed and thrown into a blazing fire. Verse 12, the other beast had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. So before you check out on me and say, okay, Kenny Rogers just showed up and he's the ancients of days. It's not. <laughs> if you know, you know, y'all are going to look that back up later. It's, it's really, uh, this is describing the judgment seat, y'all. This is a court. This is God coming, the ancient of days. We're about to see the Son of Man show up. We're about to see Jesus show up here in Daniel 7. But we have to understand what is happening is God has finally taken his seat as judge. His wrath and his fury is about to be met for those who haven't trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is why it is describing this. Look, look it says he has he has hair as white as snow, white like wool. His clothing is as white as snow. Why does this matter? Why am I sharing all this? Because I believe Jesus lines this up because in a time we live in, I know I've shared this a lot and I will continue to share it because it's something that Jesus is just reminding me of and, and we, we can be caught in if we don't realize it. You're not going to hear me, like I said, uh, I'm not going to celebrate a court decision, a law being overturned because as quickly as it happens... It's going to flip over. Daniel just saw one king die and another king take over. Daniel actually serves another king, serves three different kings. So governments come and go, laws come and go, kingdoms come and go. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, wherever you are. And so that is what we have to celebrate. Why does this matter and why are we sharing it? 
Well, listen, maybe today you don't know who Jesus is. We are so thankful that you are hanging out with us, trying to figure out what this crazy man up there is talking about when he's talking about Kenny Rogers in the Bible and he's describing this dream and you feel like you're sitting on a couch somewhere, maybe trying to interpret it. And I just want to say, maybe you're kicking the tires of who Jesus is and you're trying to figure out where he fits into your grand scheme of life. And you say, well, there's no evidence of God. If God is God, this wouldn't happen to me. If God is good, this wouldn't have happened to me. Uh, I don't believe in God. There's no, there's no proof of his existence if that's what you believe and that's what you say. I just want to move to you to say, why does verse 9 matter? If you don't believe in God, you can't be mad when someone gets murdered. You can't be mad at mass genocide. You can't be mad when you get robbed and your car gets stolen. You have no reason to be mad because if God doesn't exist, there is no moral authority. There's none. Because you believe and built your life on nothing times nothing equals something, and that's just not how this works. We come from something. And you see, we long for righteousness and real justice. 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 This is the justice we long for. The thrones being set in place, God taking his seat as the righteous judge on his throne. And so wherever you are right now, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I've talked about how I don't get on social media because we've got to know, we just did our Bible Devo today talking about the battles that we should fight and knowing the battles that we should step in and how Daniel was wise and knowing that he didn't fight things that didn't matter culturally. He said, if it doesn't affect me worshiping God, I could care less. But we see when Daniel took a stand, he prayed. When they outlawed prayer, he still prayed. He fought that battle. Whenever there were dreams to be interpreted, he stood up, he asked God, he moved for God, he knew when to fight his battles. And so that's what I would say, church, in this moment, we can be empathetic and compassionate, yet know what battles to fight. This is our moment. The world is seeking justice. Daniel is describing the righteous judge, the moral authority, the setting all things right we long for is right here, all the way back. 2,600 years ago, this was written. All the way back there, we can see it. And so wherever you are right now, would you consider Jesus? Just, we're going to keep seeing this. Why, why does this matter? What are we talking about? Well, his throne is flaming with fire, and its wheels were ablaze. I always think of Elijah going away, right? Like this is the fiery chariot when you see this imagery. Why is fire so much? Well, we've talked about it here at The Vine, wherever you are. Uh, we're doing some teaching today, y'all. I'm sorry. We're going to get deep for a minute. Uh, we've talked about this. Uh, fire is important for us for two reasons. Fire symbolizes God's wrath and fury. We're going to read here in a second. Those who, done it, who weren't written in the book of life are thrown into the eternal fire. But for us as Christians, fire matters because it burns off our impurity. In the end, we have two judgments that are about to be talked about, and we're going to unpack that more here in a minute. But fire matters. Fire either purifies or it consumes. Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego go into the fiery furnace and they didn't even smell like they had been burned. Whereas everybody else, when they turned it up, boom, they're part of the next barbecue, right? Like they're, they're ashes in there. So fire matters, fire when it talks about this. So this is literally either you're going to have your name written in the book of life and going into heaven or you're going to have your name written in the book 
of works. The beast that is slain here is the Antichrist, okay? So look here. Let's talk about this judgment. Let's see what this looks like and see how Daniel 7 shows up in Revelation again. If you're in Revelation 13, flip a few pages to the right, get to Revelation 12, or excuse me, Revelation 20, verse 12 through 15. I brought y'all to VBS today. You got a sword drill happening. If you know, you know. If you had Backyard Bible Club or RAs or you were a Sparky and Awanas, you know what I'm talking about. Um, wherever you are. Hey, if you know, you know. I had my vest and my, my, my Awana patches. I'm just saying, good times. Here we go. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 12 through 15. Look at this beast being described. Look at the revelation, the deeper revelation of Daniel 7 that God gives John on that island of Patmos. Here we go. Here we go. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You see, Daniel talk about that as well. So like, either... I, I get frustrated, y'all know, there are only two types of people that say there are only two types of people, but in the end, there are only two types of people. Go figure. We're all written in both, well, we're all written in one book. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus are written in both books. What am I telling you? There are two books that are open. The book of works. We will all give an account. That is what Daniel is talking about. The judge comes in, he takes his seat, and Daniel is saying, the books were open. The book of works. Those who tried to work their way to salvation. Those who tried to work their way to righteousness. Good, bad, or ugly. All of those works are going to be written down. So get ready, y'all. If I'm doing it, it's going to be a long time. Y'all get some popcorn. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. Because you're going to have some laughs. Probably some tears. But most of the time, you're going to be like, Lord, please pray for him. I know we're in eternity. Somebody pray for that guy. Did you see everything he did? Oh, my goodness. So we're going to have those that are works. Those that are only written in the book of works will go to hell because they can't save themselves. See, God's wrath is that fire that's going in, and Jesus bore God's full wrath for our sin on the cross. Those who are working their way towards it are only working their way to death. You see, there's those who are in Christ Jesus. They've confessed him as Lord and Savior of their life. They've received the free gift of salvation that he came, lived, died, and rose again for, and is coming back, as we see in a moment, is coming back for us for, and they're written in the book of life. So we have two judgments. It's called the judgment seat that Daniel describes where the book of works are opened and the book of life is opened. They look up. Tyler West is all of his works. It'll be bigger than this, y'all. It's going to be bad, but it'll be bigger than this book. And then they'll open up the book of life and they'll say, oh, he's in that book and that book. Okay, Tyler, you got to go to the next courtroom because you got something else going on over there. If your name isn't in both, you're going, going to hell. Why does it matter? Because see, this book of works is actually going to go to that second courtroom we call the great white throne judgment that is just for believers, and it is the reward system of heaven. It'll say, hey, you are saved to get into heaven. That's it, but see, Jesus didn't die to just give you fire insurance. That's what you did with it. So you will be judged by your works, and that'll be the rewards you get. Your points back on your, your, your card. This is the rewards you get. 
That's why we say there are going to be many crowns in heaven for those who, who run the race the way they were supposed to. They hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So don't just think, okay, I'm saved, all is good, I don't have to worry about anything else. Yes, your eternity is secure, but your love of God and walking in faithful obedience will determine the rewards you get. And you've heard me tell the joke before, uh, I, I'll have the kudzu mansion in heaven and that's good to go. And I'm fine with that. And what that mean, what, where that joke comes from is there was a taxi driver and a pastor who were waiting in line and they go to Peter. The pastor is in front of the pa- taxi driver and Peter says, okay, that's your address. And he looks and it's a, it's a one-room shack with kudzu filled over on the hillside. And Peter says, that's your mansion. Pastor's excited. I'd be excited. I'm in heaven. I got my mansion. Taxi driver comes up and he goes and he gets the best, like the best mansion on the best street. Like he's literally next door neighbors with Jesus. And the pastor goes back up to Peter and he's like, what gives, man? I gave my life of service and work to you. What is going on? And Peter said, well, I'm just going to be real with you, pastor. When you spoke, people slept. But that taxi driver, every time he picked someone up, they prayed to the Lord. So he's a better saint than you are. And he pointed people to There you go. There's the pastor joke for today. But for real, what am I getting at? It's not my title that determines my reward. It's not what I identify myself and my thing after the comma that identifies me in the Lord. It's who I am in Christ Jesus and am I walking in faithful obedience. So this is something for the Christian and for the non-Christian. I want to tell you, as we saw last week, Nebuchadnezzar's statue, you can build yourself with the things of this world and it'll be crushed by the rock that is Jesus in the end. It will. Or we can build ourselves on the rock which is putting us in the book of life, and our works will follow that. So, church, this is why this is important. As in the season we live in, does the world think we care more about a mask, a vaccine, a Supreme Court decision, a president, a bank account number, a gas price, than we do about Jesus? And that's what we have to reconcile. doesn't mean we can't care about those things. It just means, is Jesus more important than those things? Because that affects your reward in heaven. And I don't know about you. I, 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 like, make, I was, like making teachers pet happy, all those things. I want to get some reward. I need some stars, man. Like, come on. Like, you know, I want to be caught being good. I was that kid. I was mostly caught being bad. But I want to be caught being good. The terrific kid, right? We want that. But the thing is, I've noticed every reward I get to be a part of is because I've walked in obedience and it's always impacted others' lives for the better as well as mine, as opposed to me trying to do it for my glory and my good. And so wherever you are today, that is the truth. That's what's going to happen. So one last time, we've met the Ancient of Days. That is God. He has taken his seat. Daniel 7, verse 13 to 14. Have some fun here in a second, I believe. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one Like a son of man coming with clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and all people of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Church, this is the second coming. This is it. Let me ask you something why this matters. Whenever we go into a courtroom, what happens when the judge walks in? 
All rise. We rise until what? The judge does what? Takes their seat. You know why that matters? You know why we rise? You know why this is important for each and every one of us? Because Jesus is doing what at the right hand of God? He is seated until the appointed time. When the appointed time happens, he stands up and we get to stand up with him and we... And the Lord said, all right, I'm sorry. Uh, it's because I sang. I'm sorry, y'all. So if you missed all of that, what you missed was me trying out something new, probably messing everything up. There we go. There's another day for this. I'm going to sing a song, y'all. And it's what I, what I was getting at is when we're in the courtroom, if you missed all that, you know what? It just means Jesus telling you to get here. we got a chair with your name on it, so we'll go ahead and put your name on it next week and go show up. So we stand up because the judge is there. Jesus is no longer seated. He is standing up, and he is coming for us. He promised that. If you look in Acts, he comes, and he's going to be descending on the clouds. The clouds. Clouds is a cloud of victory. It's so important for us to understand when he comes down, it is a victory march. This is the victory parade. This is what is happening. So the battle hymn of the Republic says, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. What do we do? What are we supposed to do when that song comes up or comes on? You stand up again. You stand up. And why do we do it? Because Christ is standing up. He is no longer seated. This is the appointed time. This is when he says, I'm coming to bring you back to me. We get to stand up. That is church while we stand up. Not because of something that benefits us. Not because of gas being cheap, or not because of a law, not because of a policy. No, no, no. We stand up because Jesus has stood up for us first. How does this play out? Well, Revelation 14, verse 14, if you want to get back there. So we've just had an everlasting kingdom be established that Daniel is talking about, the Son of Man. We're in Jeremiah. We're going to talk about the Son of Man. This all points to Jesus. Revelation 14, verse 14 says this. I looked before me, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on that cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Once again, if we would stop looking at Revelation as an end times prophecy, but a revealing, a peeling back of the curtain, a building on Daniel 7 here, and see Ezekiel has it too, a building upon God revealing more of himself to us, 
all the way through. This is what is described in Daniel 7. The white cloud is victory. The crown on his head is his authority forever. And you say, well, I got you there, but what's this sickle doing? What's this sickle doing? Well, second part of the battle hymn of the Republic. Your eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. And what is he doing? He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Sickle. He's bringing us home, y'all. He is going out. He is standing up. That is why we do that. that now, you may know that song. It's a, it was rewritten in the Civil War, and it was talking about current times. But realistically, it's, 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 it's here. It's talking about Jesus coming. He is coming. Like, that is what it's about. And it's not, oh, God, I hope you come tomorrow. Listen, he ain't done with me. If he leaves me behind, I'm fine with it. I know where I'm going to be, so I don't care. He can leave me here all the way through. I'm not praying for the rapture. That isn't what I do because it says I've given up on you, Lord, and what you've called me to do here. And I won't say I will do that ever. We can't do that, church. We can't. we got to say, Jesus, even if they persecute us, even if they throw us in the fire, if they throw us in the lion's den, if mountains start falling down on people's heads, we still trust you as Lord and Savior because we know how it ends. Because when you stand up, Lord, I already know I'm going to be in the book of life by his grace, and I know that, yes, I will, be, I will have my reward for my work, but my reward will not be the lake of fire. It will not be the second death. Church, the hope that we have is the same God that Daniel talked about, is the same God that was in the garden with Adam and Eve, and is the same God that came down in flesh, as John 1 talks about, as we talked about last week, that once again is revealing himself in revelation that came, lived, died, and rose again for us, and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So church, I'm just sharing, I'm getting excited about the ancient days to say once again. I know I may be sounding challenging, but it's because Jesus is challenging me. Do people know I put Jesus and I treasure him above all else, or is it something else? Is it something else? Because with the best of intention, it can be the soup kitchen down the road. If it ain't got Jesus in it, it's going to be thrown in the fire. And it's going to either go to hell and not be in the book of life, or it's going to be my name written in the book of life. Because that's not going to get my name in the book of life, my works, my serving at the soup kitchen, my giving away everything that I have. My, it's not going to get me anywhere. My surrendering and confessing and receiving, my surrendering my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord of my life, receiving this free gift of salvation he came to give me, not only saves me from the fire, but when I go through the fire, it just makes my reward even better. And I don't know about you, but that's something I'd like to sign up for. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe that's what you're trying to figure out. Maybe I'm giving a lot of mumbo-jumbo, and I just want to say this to show you why we're sharing this today. Daniel 7 is almost completely fulfilled. Revelation points back to how it will fully be revealed. Not, quote, unquote, an end date, a time stamp. It's that what Daniel prophesied and God told him actually came to happen. That's crazy. Well, you can say, well, looking back, you can do that. And looking back, you can say that. Well, realistically, we can literally look back. If you go and look at Daniel, oh, my goodness, if you will go and read like Daniel 8 in your time or Daniel 11 and 12, as I talk to you about prophecy, he goes and he talks about how many years, and people will dispute how many years that is, but he talks about 7 times 70. What you don't realize is the Jewish year is shorter than ours. <clears throat> the reason that matters is he prophesies Jesus coming at 7 times 70 from that time, and just about 7 times 70. If you 
go by the Jewish calendar, it is. The Messiah shows up. Funny thing is, the wise men knew it before the king did when that happened. <clears throat> Why am I sharing that? What is it that Jesus told Peter he was to do when someone sinned against him? How many times was he forgiven? Seven times seven. Love how the Bible shows us that. God continues to reveal himself as he continues to reveal himself today. And see, here's the thing. These things, yes, have come to pass, and there are some that are yet still to come. But the grace of God is, once again, we know how the story ends. If it doesn't excite you when Jesus is, is standing up, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't pray for the rapture to happen, but I can't wait. Like, it's going to be awesome. Like, I know we're going to look at all my works, and whoo, told y'all, it's going to be a rough, rough little patch. It's all right. Y'all just help me with my kudzu over on the hill, and I'll be okay. Um, and my taxi driver job, I hear I need to be an Uber driver because people pray more. I'm good with that. So all of that to say, I get excited about it. But the reason I get excited is I know I'm not going to be walking it alone. And as many people that Jesus places in my path, I can point to him, they're going to get to be there with me. And I don't know about you, but a parade with one person really stinks, doesn't it? We call that a clown show, right? Like We call that, we call that something crazy, but a parade with so many know about you but I can't wait so this is why I'm sharing this today is where I started maybe right now you're in a season where you're praying for God to come on your side God if you'll just let this come to pass God if you'll just let this break my way God if you'll just let this person love me God if you'll just let this thing happen in my life it will be better and I just want to say I've yet to see Daniel pray for God to be on his side but I did that he would be on God's side so that it would be revealed. So today, praying for God to be on your side, just going to get on God's side and pray. That's a choice you have to make. See, the thing is, I can't make it for you. Your mom can't make it for you. Your grandma can't make it for you, bringing you to Christmas and Easter services. That, that can't make that decision for you. That decision is something that you freely receive from Jesus Christ that is the gift of salvation came, lived, died, and rose again for us, or you completely reject it. But that's your decision. And so the question is, if you decide to reject Jesus today, how is your life working out continuing to pray and hope that he's on your side? Or would you trust being on his side, that he will reveal it at the appointed time? Yeah, I bet. What, what if Daniel said, well, God, I have a lion, a bear, and a leopard, uh, I'm going to write a nursery rhyme. Like, what is, what's going on? I have a beast. What do I do? Like, can you not tell me specifically the kingdoms that happen? Or did he just reveal what God told him? See, that's what we get to do. We need to be mad at God because all the specifics aren't fully worked out, or we can trust that he's already worked out the specifics. The question is, what will we do with it? And so for us, that's where we are. Because, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can try to conquer the world like these beasts are, only to be defeated by the Son of Man, or we can rest in the one who's already conquered the world and the worst thing that's happened. I know I keep saying these. I don't want it to be platitudes. I'm just being real. Do we rest in Christ, who's defeated the one thing we're all scared of, death. I don't care who you are. You're scared of death. Sometimes you're scared to death, but you're scared of death. We're all scared of death. From the moment we take our first breath, we're fighting. We're fighting for life. I don't care who you are. If you don't believe me, have a two-year-old. They're fighting for life. 
even though they're running straight toward death and you keep telling them if you keep running out there, they're going to get hit by something. They don't trust you, right? Like it is what it is. Like you're trying to live. Jesus has already overcome death. And if he's overcome that, my goodness, what else? What else? What else can the world throw at us? Yeah, kill me. Whatever. That's how Daniel lived his life. That's how Daniel lived his life. Because he knew even if he was killed on this earth one day, Jesus is going to get about that seat. judgment was going to happen. So what Jesus' words were in John 16, 33 is what I want to leave you with today before we, we pray. Jesus says this in John 16, 33, very familiar verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus. That's what's talking. Jesus, he's overcome the world. See, Jesus lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, making us righteous before God, the righteous judge, the just judge, to appear before him. Jesus, Jesus did that for us. Not only did he do that for us, but Jesus, Jesus died the death we deserved on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins. Jesus did that. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave again for us that we could live the we could live the life we were created to live live out heaven on earth see the thing is this is what Jesus said I'm coming back so the thing is for each and every one of us the question is do we trust that Jesus is who he says he is be on God's side or do we keep hoping and praying that something will turn out angels in the outfield, angels will win the pennant, and that's what we trust. I just want to tell you, if you're waiting on that, you're missing out. So with every head bow and every eye closed, this is why we do what we do. Do you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or do you trust yourself as your Lord and Savior? We just read in the Word of God, if we trust ourselves, we're going to be thrown into the fire. But if we trust Jesus, our name will be written in the book of life and we will go to be with him for eternity, walking in life. What we were created to be in perfect and, and the being we were created to be like, seriously, no more knee pain issue, no more back pain issues. Like, I know that sounds weird and crazy. Like, seriously, that, that, that's what happens in heaven. But we're not just worshiping Jesus because of that. We're worshiping Jesus because he's given us life. We trust him with our life. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, we're going to say a prayer here in just a moment, and that's what we're doing. We're confessing that Jesus is who he says he is, and we're, we're receiving this gift of salvation that he has given us. Now, the words of this prayer that saves us is the faith, faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came. Live the perfect sinless life I couldn't live. Die the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're in the house or if you're online, on the count of three, 
I ask you to boldly raise your hand if you can say for the first time you have freely received this gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. One, two, three. If you're in the house, it's the first time. If you're watching online, you can leave us a comment. You can put a little raised hand emoji. If you're in the app, you can shoot us a message. If you're throughout the week, you can shoot us a message at prayer at thevine.tv. The reason we want to know that is we want to celebrate this with you. We want to celebrate this decision with you. We want to get you involved in a local church. We want to help you not only be written in the book of life, but so when the book of works is open, your reward is great in heaven. For the rest of us, uh, we're about to worship. You can look up and stand up and worship. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing with the mic being crazy. Uh, or I'm not, I'm not going to do the battle hymn of the Republic either. Uh, but I just want us to be reminded, wherever we are today, um, of how God being the same yesterday, today, and forever, He is the one we can always run to. He is the one that we can always be set free from. Whatever trial, whatever thing we're running or going through, if we're running to Him, man, we can have peace. We can live out John 16, 33. So would you stand and sing?
am I on? I'm just kidding. It's working this time. I'm so thankful that we can run to the Father because you know what? He's the righteous King. King of kings. The Lord Jesus is King of kings. The Lord of the righteous judge. Like, how great is it to know that the judge is on your side? When you go into the court, the judge is on your I don't know about you, but I'll take those odds every day of the week. So let's go out this week showing the world the grace of God. Being empathetic, saying, hey, it don't matter. We don't have to agree politically. We don't have to agree. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to agree on whether you drive an SUV or a hybrid car. We don't have to agree on what law is passed or isn't passed. We don't even have to agree on whether we have old school hymns or new school worship, whether the church has lights in it, whether the church doesn't. What we can agree on is that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he is the hope that we have. And when all else fails, when it all is burned in the fire or it all fades away, he is the rock which we are built on. And that is where we get to be for eternity. Church, we know how the story ends. Let's go out and walk and live like the victory is won. I hope you make plans to join us next week as we continue Summer in the Prophets.